Welcome back, and thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers. In 2018, there were 5.8 billion prescriptions filled in the U.S. Nearly 50% of the U.S. population takes a prescription medication. How can you be sure you are buying your medications from a safe and legal pharmacy? Dr. Charles Seifert, Professor of Pharmacy Practice and the Founding Regional Dean for Lubbock Programs with the School of Pharmacy, explains how you can buy safe prescription medications in person and online. Dr. Seifert, thanks for coming on our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at the Health Sciences Center? Sure. I am the Regional Dean uh, for the Lubbock campus for the School of Pharmacy, but I'm also the Senior Executive Associate Dean for the whole entire school. I'm also a full professor in the Department of Pharmacy Practice here, and so my area of expertise is actually in clinical toxicology and adult internal medicine. So I work at UMC also, rounding with uh, the internal medicine physicians, but then I've been teaching toxicology for almost 40 years. So uh, that's my area of expertise, um, and that's, I think, why I'm here today to talk about uh, about some issues with some imported drugs. Yes, thanks again for coming on. Can you tell us how people can make sure that they're purchasing meds from a legitimate source, either online or in person, brick and mortar? My best advice to the public would be to only purchase drugs from registered pharmacies, whether that be uh, in the state of Texas or in the United States. Even though drugs in Canada, for example, or in Mexico, for that matter, are fairly safe, it's it's actually illegal to import those uh, into the United States. And the reason is because it violates not only the approval laws, because some of those drugs may not be approved in the U.S., but also violates labeling and if there's ever a recall, for example, in Canada, you're not going to know about it. Whereas uh, if you go to a licensed pharmacy in the United States, whether that be online or your local pharmacy, um, we, we record the lot numbers and expiration dates for those. And sometimes those uh, we, we do have recalls or they're expired and maybe we've sent them out already uh, so we can contact the patient to get them back. As you know, Melissa, you can get anything you want on the internet, uh, and the U.S. Postal Service will deliver it to your door. And so that's where it's fairly scary is that companies overseas, China particularly, and, and, and even Mexico, are selling products that are very, can be very dangerous. Why is it important to purchase medications from a licensed pharmacy? Can you expand on that? Sure, because uh, those medications usually have been proven safe and effective in the United States. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on the market. And there are a lot of checks and balances that go into manufacturing those medications, uh, all the way to uh, the manufacturing facilities are inspected by uh, the FDA, uh, the Food and Drug Administration of the United States, 
to make sure that the manufacturing processes are, are up to code. Also, too, we have a very sophisticated drug information uh, sources that let us know what's in those products, not just the active ingredient, but inactive ingredients. One of my family members recently had an allergic reaction to thyroid medicine, for example. And we're saying, how could you possibly be allergic to thyroid? It's in your body. Well, she's probably allergic to some of the dyes that were in that product. But we were able to track down what those dyes were because of that manufacturing process. Can you tell us how pharmacies get their products? So the vast majority of pharmacies actually go through what we call a wholesaler. So the wholesaler buys the medications usually at discounted prices from the drug manufacturer directly. Then they have huge warehouses where they stock different medications because in order for a pharmacy to get the discount, they'd have to buy in large quantities from the manufacturer. So the wholesaler then has a markup fee, obviously, and then they sell in much smaller quantities to the individual pharmacies, and they they verify all the tracking, you know, of that product, like the lot number and and where it was manufactured and those kinds of things. Do mail order pharmacies have the same standards as licensed? Excuse me, as if they are pharmacy? licensed in the United States, they do. Yes. However, uh, in fact, there are. Uh, there was a Texas law that was passed back in 2005 where the Texas State Board of Pharmacy would inspect, for example, Canadian pharmacies. And the law was overruled and declared unconstitutional by, uh, by the feds because we can't verify that pretty much. Um, but usually if they're uh, an online pharmacy registered in the United States and they also have to be registered in the state of Texas to sell products to the state of Texas. However, again, you can get anything you want on the internet. And so it's always a good idea to verify that license of somebody that's mail order even with the state of Texas, State Board of Pharmacy. What are the procedures at licensed pharmacies to ensure that we get the correct medications? Used to be that we would compound a lot of stuff, you know, so we'd make it up ourselves back in the 30s and 40s. And now we trust the manufacturer to actually put in the bottle what it says it puts in the bottle. And so the manufacturers and also other independent companies sometimes will actually analyze the drugs, make sure what's in there is appropriate. But the pharmacy itself, you know, has several safeguards. Um, and one of those things is called an NDC number. So it's a national drug code, and that NDC number actually goes on every single bottle that we ever receive. And so you can have, for example, multiple generic products of the same thing. You, you may have had a prescription where, oh, this looks different. You know, my, you know, and most of the time the pharmacy will alert you, hey, this is a different pill or whatever. It just happened with one of my medications. And and I always go and verify that it's the right thing, you know. I don't know that everybody should do that or not. But but pharmacies then they they verify their pills up against that NDC code. And uh, in Japan, for example, now we've discovered or we've they've invented like a little barcode on the individual pill, where the barcode is scanned on the individual pill. Where we haven't done that yet. We we, we essentially have a barcode and a 
and an NDC number on the bottle of the pills that come in. And so it could still happen where the wrong drug gets in the wrong bottle. Most of the time that's by human error, but it's very, very, very rare. And it's very rare that that's ever tampered with. Uh, probably the last incident was uh, back in the 80s, there was a uh, Tylenol scare. I don't right. know if you're aware of that, but where somebody from the manufacturer act- actually replaced uh, Tylenol with, with cyanide. And, and then several people died of that. But there hasn't been an incident of that happening in a long, long time where drugs coming in from legitimate sources have done that. Can you go back and explain the the risks or could there possibly be any benefits from paying less for medications from Mexico or Canada? I mean, health care is a big issue and there's so many commercials about prescription clubs and stuff. I, can you expand on that? The laws in Mexico are very different from the laws in Canada. And so let me start with Mexico. So in Mexico, you can walk into any pharmacia and get anything over the counter. They don't have a prescription process in Mexico. You don't have to have a prescription from a physician. So you can literally go across the border, pick up anything in a Mexican pharmacy and bring it back. And a lot of times at the border, if you have a legitimate prescription, even in the United States for that product, you can bring it back into the United States. And so I would be very, very leery of going online to Mexico to get anything, (laughs) especially when we talk about our next issue that's coming up about these counterfeit drugs. Uh, In Canada, Canada has a very similar process to the United States. So prescriber gives a prescription. You go into the pharmacy, it's filled in the pharmacy in Canada. So I, I would trust Canadian pharmacies if you're going across the border much, much more than I would trust Mexican pharmacies. Doesn't mean the products are bad in Mexico per se. They are a lot cheaper usually. And if you can if you know you can get a similar product in Mexico, you know, that may be safe. But I would clearly caution people about doing that. Now, the question you asked is online pharmacies in Canada. And that's sort of what that Texas law in 2005 was going to try to do was say, okay, we're going to go into Canada, inspect the pharmacies, and if they're good, then we can bring them into Texas. But the FDA said no. Um, So, again, I'd be very leery of that. However, if you went and established a rapport in Canada with a specific pharmacy or maybe go to the Canadian registry of pharmacies, and it is a registered pharmacy in Canada then it's probably safer, clearly safer than Mexico. So you mentioned the drug tampering and the Drug Enforcement Agency recently issued a public safety alert, the one pill can kill, about the alarming number of counterfeit pills containing lethal fentanyl in the U.S. Should we be concerned if we have legitimate prescriptions for painkillers or other drugs? I think if you've got a legitimate prescription from a pharmacy for painkillers, I think you're okay. There's another issue that we probably need to cover if you are on opioid medications. But the counterfeit piece, the the lookalike products are so similar. Uh, In in fact, it almost looks like the dosage form of the counterfeit product is better than the actual product produced in the United States. But these products are what we call laced with fentanyl. And fentanyl is an extremely potent 
opioid. If you are aware of morphine, the equivalent dose is about a hundredfold lower with fentanyl. So 10 milligrams of morphine is equivalent to about 100 micrograms of fentanyl. And so a lot of these counterfeit pills that are coming in that are laced with fentanyl contain two milligrams of fentanyl, which is 2,000 micrograms of fentanyl. And the reason we don't use fentanyl orally much is because the acid in the stomach degrades most of it. So fentanyl, when we use it therapeutically, is either usually uh, injectable or sometimes we have these uh, uh, lozenges that we use, especially in children for procedures. Uh, when they suck on the lozenge, then they go to sleep, and then, boom, we pull the lozenge out of their mouth, or, or the, the little lollipop, we call it. And, and then, you know, the, the drug is gone. But there have been several case reports of uh, the patch. You've probably heard of the fentanyl patch. Mm-hmm because the concentration of fentanyl in the patch is so high to force the fentanyl through the skin to work that if that patch breaks open and somebody gets the gel on their skin for very long and doesn't wash it off, it can kill them. And there have been several cases of that where uh, somebody's put a patch on that's broken and and the patient's died. You've probably also seen some of those hyped things where police officers are getting fentanyl and they inhale the dust the fentanyl powder, and and can get really sick doing that. It's it's kind of a little bit of a fallacy, but if the person actually inhales the raw fentanyl powder, yes, it can kill them. So so these tablets are very, very dangerous, and and they look just like one of our prescriptions drugs. Um, The other thing I was going to say about people that are on opioid painkillers is that they probably should have the antidote in their household. So it's called naloxone, and there's guidelines about naloxone and, and, and opioid painkillers. So any other CNS depressant like alcohol or maybe some of these other drugs that are like Valium, like Xanax, in combination with the opioids are very dangerous and very deadly, and people don't even realize it sometimes. And if you're a family member, even if you're really good at CPR, you can't resuscitate these folks. And so that's why the naloxone antidote should be available for people who are on painkillers and these other drugs or a high enough dose of a painkiller. But, you know, that would be the only way to save somebody uh, would be the naloxone. Is that available without a prescription or do you need a prescription? It it is and it isn't. So... um, For example, in the pharmacies in Texas, we have an order by a physician statewide. So if you want the naloxone antidote, you can walk into any pharmacy and get it without a prescription because we have that statewide authorization. So the pharmacy can give it to you because we have a statewide authorization prescription, essentially. And and yes, if you have a family member or somebody who's on chronic opioid pain medicines, you should get it. Uh, But to get back to the one pill can kill campaign, to give you some of the statistics and the DEA, you know, they confiscate controlled substances all the time that are moving across the border or doing whatever. And they've reported that just in 2021, and that was even maybe only two thirds of the year, 
the amount of counterfeit products that they've confiscated is up like 423%. So more confiscated this year than 2019 and 2020 combined. And 2021 is not even over yet. So it's very dangerous. And that includes other things besides fentanyl. Crystal meth is very interesting. It's a very easy drug to make chemically. We used to have a lot of labs in the United States, but now almost all of those labs have moved to Mexico. Uh, They're very large labs, produce a lot of crystal meth. Uh, It is smuggled across the border, usually as liquid meth in vehicles like your radiator on a truck. And we have, you know, tons of truck traffic that goes across the border every day from Mexico. And then it comes back into the United States and then it's cooked off back into the crystal. Essentially, they just evaporate the water back into the crystal and then they they sell it on the street as crystal meth. But now we're seeing a lot of these look-alike tablets that are also crystal meth, but they're not, you know, your usual prescription drug. The fentanyl, most of the fentanyl is manufactured in China and then shipped to Mexico or shipped, as you said, like at these counterfeit pills directly into the United States. It's interesting. What should someone do if they end up with a counterfeit pill? You should report it. There's lots of ways you can do that. Probably the best way is your local law enforcement. The law enforcement, depending on the quantity, will involve the DEA. There needs to be a bigger investigation. If you bring anything like that into the pharmacy, the pharmacy will ha- they're required. We are required by law to report it. But I would say that the uh, if you discover something like that, the best way is local law enforcement and. And they will take it to the DEA if that needs to be done. They, they do that all the time with things. Is there an anonymous kind of way to turn it in? I imagine somebody might be embarrassed to admit, well, I bought this online or I bought this from not a good source thinking I would save money. They might want to flush it down the toilet. Is there another way that they could get rid of it? Well, we we have, uh, uh, yeah, they can get rid of it. Uh, we have uh, uh, these events it's called medication clean out and they can bring anything, not just illegal stuff, but anything. And we will sort it out. Usually we have law enforcement on the scene. Then we, they take it to the DEA who destroys it. Then it's not recommended to flush old medicines down the toilet, but you also don't want it sitting around your house. Uh, and there's lots of reasons for that. Overdoses, the number one drug diversion or the way people drug divert for prescription opioids. So that's another topic is that people abusing prescription opioids is by a friend or a family member. So most of the time it's old drugs, say they had a grandmother or a grandfather or somebody who was dying of cancer. So they're on these very potent opioids and they've had them for years and years. And, and then, you know, somebody younger gets into it, gets addicted and and you have it. So we would just soon get those off the street. And that happens several times a year too, right? Yes, it happens once uh, in the spring and in the fall. Um, and um, and we, we do it in uh, three of our cities where the school is located. So in Amarillo, in Lubbock, and in Abilene. Our Dallas campus is actually trying to work with the Dallas Police Department to have an event there as well. 
Also, there's a lot of drop boxes at various places. Uh, I want to say the Lubbock Police Department has a has a new drop box, and they then take those drugs to appropriate places and dispose of them. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, again, I think I'd just like to caution folks. Make sure that you uh, obtain your medications from a legitimate pharmacy in the United States. There's a website actually on the FDA website that talks about what to look for in a sort of a a not-so-nice online pharmacy, you know, because legitimately you should have a prescription for prescription drugs. So if you have an online website that doesn't ask for a prescription, then there's something wrong. Also, if they don't have the product that has the dose that you have. So in other words, say you got a 10 milligram or 20 milligram uh, prescription from your physician and they don't carry that, I'd be very leery of that also. And, and you can go online at the FDA's website and they, and they have, you just, you can punch in how to determine a good online pharmacy and they will, they'll tell you all of the do's and don'ts of, of doing it. But, but it's like anything else. I think have your, uh, you know, be suspicious, but then also, you know, legitimate U.S. pharmacies. Well, thanks for coming on our podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss the next episode. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and is produced by Tiara Castillo, Susana Cisneros, and me, Melissa Whitfield.